welcome to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Karen Golden. Karen is a military spouse who worked as a social worker but never got licensed because of her frequent moves. We're going to talk more about that. Karen relaunched her career at the Military Officers Association of America as Deputy Director, Government Relations, covering military family issues, including spouse employment. After years of strategic volunteering as an advocate, educator, and volunteer manager in military family organizations. During her husband's active duty career, Karen and her family moved 12 times, including an international post. Karen, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Good morning, Carol. Thank you so much for having me here today. I look forward to talking to you. Thanks, Karen. Let's start by talking about your career before you became a military spouse and began changing locations on a regular basis. Sure. So um, going all the way back to the beginning, always knew I wanted to be wanted to be a social worker, uh, went to graduate school for my MSW. I was a year into graduate school in uh, Chicago, Illinois, when I met my husband. Um, well, <laughs> My suit, my to-be husband, um, he was a Marine stationed in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And during our second year of my second year of graduate school, he deployed. He went overseas out on ship for six months. When he came back, I had graduated from, from graduate school. I had started my job at a private psychiatric hospital um, in Chicago. And shortly upon his return from deployment, um, we were engaged. Prior to meeting him, if you had asked me, you know, Karen, what do you plan to do with this, uh, with your MSW, I would have said my my goal would have been to be the director of a social work department at a large hospital in the Chicagoland area, have 2.5 kids and and live within five miles of my mother. Right. And that went out the window when I when I met my my husband. During our engagement, I was working for a year at a private psychiatric hospital in Chicago as a unit social worker. I'm just honing those wonderful skills. And, you know, I thought, gosh, this is great. I'm on the path. We got married and uh, made my first move to to Jacksonville, North Carolina. I was fortunate that I was able to start working almost immediately. I was picked up as a contractor for the advocacy program um, that was sponsored, uh, was new, was sponsored by the Marine Corps at Camp Lejeune, um, assessing families that had been brought to the attention of of the military um, assessing the situation for domestic violence or domestic violence incidents at the time. When I left Chicago, had been working for a year. I did not have enough hours yet to sit for a certification or a licensure exam. I was starting to amass those supervision hours. So when I moved to North Carolina, of course, I, you know, I'm young and I'm relatively naive about the process, thought that would, um, you know, I would just, you know, continue that with my new position, only to find out that my supervisor um, was not qualified. She did not have the appropriate training to to supervise me, provide me supervision hours. So I thought, okay, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. And within a year, my husband uh, received orders and we moved. <laughs> 
to California. And by this time, I'm now pregnant with my my first daughter. And uh, we get to California, we settle in, I have my daughter, and I'm like, okay, I'm, re- I'm ready to, to go back to work. I don't have licensure in Illinois or North Carolina. Um, I don't have enough hours to test in the state of California. So, you know, what can I do? I'm, I'm at home and I have um, a young baby and I don't know anyone in the state of California. How can I use these skills? So I sought an opportunity to work with a, um, a military relief agency, Navy Marine Corps Relief Society. They provide financial um, support to, to military families. So you do, it's a lot of casework. You know, I, I, I can do that. I, I'm a trained social worker. A lot of casework, a lot of resource and referral identification. And um, while well, not direct mental health counseling, a lot of counseling on situations. So during this time when I'm working for the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society, I'm learning a lot about the military. I'm seeing a lot of a lot of the gaps. I'm, I'm seeing some of the challenges our families are facing, particularly our younger families as, as they're moving around and um, of course, they're with us because they have emergency financial needs. Truly um, learned a lot about my new military community. Um, lo and behold, I find out I'm now pregnant with my second daughter. And, it, you know, it's the conundrum I think some families face. You know, childcare would be very expensive. We're, you know, we're out in California. So I decide at that point that I'm going to step away from my position uh, running this this office in California. And that that lasted about uh, lasted about eight weeks, and I thought <laughs> I thought, well, what can I do? They the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society uh, really um, worldwide has maybe f- five hundred paid employees. Was very inf- fortunate to be one of those paid employees, but they're they're really volunteer powered and volunteer driven. So I thought, you know, this this really aligns with with my skill set. Um, and it real a lot real aligns with you know my interest in serving my military community. So I came back on board as a volunteer, it, and in part because they covered childcare. I mean, how can you beat that? You know, a volunteer position. You've got two kids, and very unusual. Very unusual, particularly considering this is this is quite a while ago. Again, we move <laughs> this time for a short period of time. We were uh, in Oklahoma, of all places, uh, for seven months, and um, just not enough time to to settle into any type of position. After seven months, are now moved to Hawaii. Wow! In Hawaii, we settle in and had actually started to, you know, pursue going back to work as a social worker. Large, amazing hospital systems on on the island of Oahu, and I remember going into one of the interviews um, at <laughs> the hospital system that shall be that shall be nameless. And um, at the end of the interview. The, the gentleman asked me, he told me, he said, well, you're qualified. Obviously, I needed to work towards towards licensure, but you're very qualified. You have a wonderful education. Um, he said, but why would I hire you? You're going to be leaving. You cannot do that today. That's not, that's not um, part of, it's not allowed in the interview process today. But that was my first stinging realization that as a military spouse, it was going to be incredibly challenging not, uh, to continue my career, to um, combat some preconceived notions um, that the maybe the civilian marketplace um, had about military spouses, and and yet again, an opportunity to p- potentially pursue licensure was going to elude me. So um, during my time in Hawaii, 
went back to the neighboring Marine Corps Relief Society as a volunteer. Again, that wonderful paid childcare, uh, and really honed here in Hawaii um, my leadership skills. They have leadership opportunities within their volunteer base. Um, it allowed me to to lead, you know, a core team of uh, volunteers. Again, using my social work skills in in training and advocacy, public speaking, um, all those great transferable skills, keeping them fresh and up to date all the while learning even more about my military community. And, and again, the challenges, not only I was facing, but but our military uh, families were facing. From Hawaii, we moved to, <laughs> we moved to the East Coast and uh, my son joins us uh, when, we, <laughs> when we arrive on the East Coast. And, you know, similar situation, we settle in Massachusetts, everything is settled, there's great opportunity for wonderful childcare. And so I start looking at the potential for for returning to work and face similar challenges as I interviewed with with uh, civilian employers. I'm lacking the licensure, and um, and there is that notion that you're you're not here to say you're you're basically a you know a transient uh, transient person. A- after Massachusetts, we went on to Rhode Island again. Continued volunteering different aspects of the military community, moved down to North Carolina. Following that, my children are starting to, at this point, they've um, entered school, makes it a little easier to uh, to return to work. And now I've, I've moved through multiple states. My initial social work clinical skills, they're, they're actually a little rusty. <laughs> There's been multiple updates to very critical information that social workers need in terms of, you know, diagnosis and, and treatment and methodology. And, and that has, I, I haven't kept up with that, nor do I have the hours of, for supervision, not even close to being eligible to, to sit for licensure. So at this point, I decided to, to look at, it was two paths um, during our time at, at Camp Lejeune. So, you know, how do I support my military community, support, my husband was in a, was in a leadership role now. How do I support that role? And how do I take all these skills I've amassed and potentially take them into the workplace in a, in a way that's good for our family? So I was very engaged in the Military Family Readiness Program. It's a volunteer program. A lot of training to support families as they face the challenges of um, deployments, whether it was for training and or um, at this time, obviously, a uh, our Marines were um, were headed into war. So a lot of, again, uh, wonderful training opportunities, a lot of leadership opportunities, um, working, you know, with military spouses, learning more about the community. And again, the challenges the community was facing. On the professional side, I was hired by the Oslo County Schools um, in, a, in a teaching position, a part-time teaching position, English as a second language, wonderful opportunity. Again, training and teaching, really um, using those transferable skills. We moved on then to Alabama. From Alabama, we moved into uh, we moved overseas to the Republic of Korea. While we were in Korea, again, used those those skills I had garnered in North Carolina to teach both at a Korean elementary school and then ultimately for um, the Department of Defense High School there in the Republic of Korea. You know, wonderful opportunities. Not the career path I would have chosen, but again, using those skills, um, 
training, advocating, always volunteering while I was working, learning more each time about our military community and and the challenges um, not only my family was facing, but other families were facing. We returned to California from Korea and um, and I knew it was time. I, I really, I really wanted to restart my career, really just- Karen, I want to interrupt you right there and ask, was this the point at which you were starting to think that maybe you were not going to end up going into social work? So I think when I realized that the social work was was out of the option, was was completely eluding me, was um, when we had lived in in Massachusetts. And that point, we had been married... uh, almost 10 years. That's when I realized that it was going to be challenging at best. Um, It would require us being in one place for for several years um, where I could fully dedicate myself to a full-time job so I could receive that important supervision. And I also realized at that point too, that it would require going back to school and just, um, you know, really kind of brushing up on, again, those, those, the things that had been happening in the clinical world, the good coursework that would be necessary to make sure I was uh, sharp and sharp and ready. So 20 years into our marriage, we arrive in California following Korea. We also arrived, you know, at the time of, of the recession. And um, for anyone listening, if you're, if you're in California in 2008, 2009, um, it's terrible. I'm a terrible economy. And unemployment in our county, I think unemployment was running, you know, it might've been running around 17%. PhDs that had current experience were out of work and, you know, along comes a military spouse who's been, you know, kind of in and out of the, uh, the workforce and, you know, kind of re reimagining herself. Um, it was, uh, it was not a good, it was not a good, uh, work environment to find myself in. So in California, again, started, you know, the interviewing process and, and going through all of that and, you know, and facing rejection at this point because, you know, there had, I had been out of the social work field and um, had not been working in that field, didn't have the licensure. So I started to hone in on, on organizations that supported the military and supported military families. I realized that was the passion that was driving me. You know, at the core of a social worker's heart, I believe the core of my heart, I have always felt strongly about advocacy, teaching people how to use their voice to make a difference, whether it's in their family, their community, or, you know, uh, on up the, the ladder of, um, of leadership, maybe within the military or, or within the government. Felt very passionate about that. And I also felt I was good at it. When someone had a, you know, a challenge, I helped them, you know, navigate through the, 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 those processes to, to elevate their concern. In California, again, you know, bad job market. So I became involved as a volunteer with the National Military Family Organization because they elevate the voice of the military family and was very um, interested in everything they were doing. So I started volunteering with them. I was a remote volunteer. I'd go out and um, do some public speaking on behalf of them. I would go out to listening sessions in town halls and report the information back, almost as if you were a person in the field reporting back to the headquarters. And I, and I loved it because I felt I was making, I was making a difference for our military families. I was also continuing my volunteer support of Marine families. Our Marines, uh, my husband was in Afghanistan uh, for the year. So again, very involved in those military family support programs, but really felt with National Military Family Association that 
you know, uh, this was, it was making a difference. It was volunteer, but it was making a difference. As we're preparing to move to to Virginia, Marine spouse friend of mine had seen all the posting I had been doing on, on Facebook, all the, you know, letting military families know about things that were happening, you know, legislatively or with their schools or within their community. You know, she saw that I was out there posting information, advocating for military families as a volunteer. And she said, um, she said, my friend is, is leaving her position at the Military Officers Association of America. And, you know, she does something, uh, you know, but she does it for for pay. <laughs> there you go. That critical difference. Yeah, that's a very good thing at this point. I have children going to college now. Um, I said, uh, she said, you know, if you send me your resume, I'll send it to her. And you know to everyone listening that networking is key. Networking is key. People need to know you're looking for a job um, and they need to know where you're going. So I said, sure, let me give me a day or two to, to update it. And I will forward it on to you. And if you can share it, sure, that's that's wonderful. And so she did. She shared my resume with her friend who was a military spouse who was her herself was moving. So um, I received a call from her, um, the gal that had the position. And she you know, asked me about my interests, what I had been doing. I explained my my long winding career path. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I told her, I said, my passion is for military families. That's the one thing you know, I can tell you is I'm passionate about serving my military community. I know I have the the advocacy skills, the skills and training from my social work degree. And that's the theme that I think ended up looking backwards is woven through everything I've, I've done is about, it's about service. It's about advocacy. It's about elevating um, someone's voice. Again, whether it's a neighbor or military member, that really has been looking backwards, the consistent theme throughout my professional and volunteer life. So she shared the resume and, uh, you know, we packed up our house and I, I really didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll have to wait till I get to Virginia and, you know, I'll have to hit the ground running. We pack up the car, we start driving and I kid you not, this honest, this is God's honest truth. We're in, we're in Winslow, Arizona, you know, with the song, Winslow, Arizona. Like the Eagles we're in, song. We're in Winslow, Arizona. I tell everyone this story. In Winslow, Arizona, in the parking lot of the Walmart, and my phone rings, and I can see it's a Virginia area code. And um, being a military family that is in the middle of a move, I think, well, this must be about military housing in Virginia. So I decide to answer that call, the most important call of my entire life that I have ever answered. On the phone was the gentleman that went on to become my boss and, uh, without a doubt, my mentor and advocate for my professional career. And he said, well, I've received your resume. Well, thank you. And he introduced himself and we talked a little bit. And um, when can you be in Virginia? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm in Winslow, Arizona in the Walmart parking lot. (laughs) That's great. <laughs> it's going to take at least five days to get there. So he said, if you know, if you can get here next week, um, I, I would like to interview you. 
And um, of course, I said yes. And I, you know, I didn't. I, I was couldn't at this point even remember what our plans were for going cross country. So I told my husband. I said we're going to have to. We, we were headed to South Carolina to see family. So we're going to have to cut that short and go straight up to Virginia. I said I I can I can't miss this opportunity for the interview. And um, <laughs> we get to South Carolina. I have no. I have no. Again, note to self. I have no interview clothes with me because I had of not planned on this. Not. It's summer. I run to the local store in South Carolina, next to impossible to buy interview clothes off off the rack that will fit. So I, I grabbed a dress. I mean, not modeling any of the good tips I'm sure people give people when they're returning to work. You know, just a decent dress and a decent pair of shoes, and um, and a purse because I didn't have one of those either. And uh, we make our way to to Virginia, and I go um, I go for the interview, and meet the the gentleman again who would go on to become my boss. Um, two hour interview. He says, "Well, let's go to lunch. Let's keep talking." And he said to me in the interview um, something that I've said to um, to a lot of people that. Um, are returning to work and they're not sure, you know, do I have the right skills? Do I have, do I have the right training? Do I have the right background? And he said to me, he said, I can teach anyone the legislative process for this position because it was, it was a government relations position. What I can't give someone is the passion and the drive. And he said, you have the passion and the drive to serve your community. I, I left that interview and I mean, smiling. I, I honestly didn't think I would get the job, but I felt in that moment that I had been validated for everything that I had done to serve my community. I felt someone had re- read my resume and recognized that. I wasn't dismissed as someone who was transient, who didn't have useful skills, who might, you know, may or may not have something to offer. I felt validated. I felt very validated. I became more validated that night when he called me and he said, you know, I want to offer you the position. And they offered me the position and it truly was, it changed my entire career trajectory. Um, In in that moment, accepting that position, um, someone was willing to take a chance on me and it changed my trajectory. And as I uh, told my boss five years later, I said, um, in that moment when you hired me, I said, in my head, I vowed I'd work harder, faster, and stronger than any person he had on his team to to validate for him that I definitely had the capacity for this position because it was quite a climb up the ladder. Uh, so that's how I ended up at the Military Officers Association of America. So how many times did you move at that point? So we moved 12 times um, during my husband's career. My husband was um, active duty for um, over 30 years, um, and he, he had been in uh, on active duty, uh, of course, when I met him. Uh, so we moved, I believe it was 12 times, if I'm counting correctly, and I, this is 15th or 17th home that we're living in right now. That's a lot of moving. Yeah, a lot of moving. And it's um, for military families, that's average. I tell my children often, it's nothing special in the military community. That's actually average. That's the average amount of moving someone will do across a career. Karen, I want to distinguish between the time when your husband was on active duty 
and you were moving around and the time when he was going to retire and you knew that you would be in one place for a long time was the Virginia move a time when you knew he was going to retire or for some reason you knew you would be there for more of an extended period? So I we knew that move um, because of the position my husband had accepted. We knew that move would be at least three years. We also knew that the move could, it could be the move he retired from. So we knew there was opportunity to be in that area. There's a lot of opportunity for military in the the national capital region. So I knew at a minimum, I knew, my my future boss did not know, nor did he ask. I knew that I could be in the national capital region for at least three years. In addition to the professional themes that ran through all that you did during the years you were moving, advocacy, training, elevating military families... It seemed like strategic volunteering was also a theme and had a dominant role in your experience during that time. Correct. And, it, and um, you know, again, as I started my path at the Military Officers Association of America and military spouse employment was part of my portfolio, um, addressing licensure challenges that I that I understood but looking back through my career, it was those very key and strategic choices that spoke to my heart in terms of volunteering in a way that brought my skill set to the table, helped me hone those skills, um, helped me learn new skills, and provided me some leadership opportunities. So it, it also, um, while I was not on a paid career path, it really did it did feed my soul and for the for the right time at the right moment so what has your career path looked like since you relaunched at the military officers association of america you know when i was at moa i was i was you know i kind of had that itch the more of the advocacy itch i was kind of missing that piece and um a opportunity presented itself uh, last uh, January with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, they were looking for an advocacy manager for the state of New Jersey. And um, for those that are not familiar, the Alzheimer's Association is the leading volunteer health organization in terms of Alzheimer's care support and research. And they have volunteer advocates across the entire country in every state that engage with their state officials and that engage with their congressional officials, both both representatives and senators, to effectively move the needle on um, on legislation, policy, and regulation in terms of um, support and care for the those living with the disease and their families. Spoke to me because I have a sister who is 52, and she's um, was born with Down syndrome, but is now also living with mid to late stages of Alzheimer's. Not uncommon uh, in that population. Uh, so this opportunity just, you know, again, spoke to the advocate heart in me. It's it's obviously a little different service than that to my military community, 
But um, I thought this is another opportunity to work and engage with people to teach a new group of advocates how to effectively use their voice, tell their story, and and make an impact now on this dreaded disease. So um, that's where I am today, working with the Alzheimer's Association, Greater New Jersey Chapter. So Karen, we're running out of time now, and I want to go to our final question, the one we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Well, I think that that's a great question, and um, I think I've said it multiple times uh, throughout the conversation. I think it's key when you're on a career break to stay active, to stay engaged, and to look for those, those I, you say it best, Carol, those strategic volunteer opportunities. That truly served twofold purpose for myself. Number one, it fed my soul. Um, very important that it really, it gives you a sense of purpose and a sense of accomplishment and, it, and it, it, it feeds your soul and drives your passion. I chose opportunities that did that, but also used my skill set and helped me hone my skill set, develop new skills and in my skills, um, using those fundamental social work skills, advocacy skills. I think when you combine those two things and you find that strategic volunteering opportunity, I do believe that your career breaks then, um, you can use that during that time. They become very meaningful. They're meaningful on a resume. They will help you get noticed. And I think they will um, serve you well when you do engage in workforce reentry. Please tell our audience how they can find out more about the Alzheimer's Association, where they can also do strategic volunteering. Sure. And, and thank you for asking. Um, definitely. If you, if listeners go to alz.org, um, that is the Alzheimer's Association website. And there you can learn about different um, upcoming events, news. There's information on the helpline, if that would be um, of uh, need to you or your family. And there is a listing of all of our volunteer opportunities, both um, in terms of advocacy and in terms of uh, community education programs and services. Thanks for joining us today, Karen. Well, thank you, Carol, so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information on I Relaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. 